Thought Lounge podcast. On this episode, we have an excerpt from a Thought Lounge session with Mike Durrell, a professor of biology at Point Loma Nazarene University, discussing the intersection of science and faith. Enjoy. So I probably didn't prepare this quite as much as I should have, but my topic, the general topic was just science and faith, but I thought I'd kind of take that to a little bit more on how these two aspects, and that's a huge topic, but how these two aspects can really inform each other and should work together kind of to help better the world rather than kind of be in this arbitrary conflict that it often seems that way. So, um, you know, I think there's a lot of uh, conflict out there because uh, religions are kind of worried that science is disproving God or things like that, and I don't think that's the case at all. I'll talk a little bit about that. But I also think that God kind of reveals himself to us both through the Bible and through his amazing creation. And if the two uh, aspects, both science and morality, I'll use kind of the term morality rather than maybe, I guess, religion, because there's a lot of different versions of religion and so forth, but how those two can really work together, because science can very much better humankind, it can, whether it's technology with the phone and access to information and making the world a global place, or medicine, things like that, it can definitely do great things that way, but morality also can kind of help us learn when we're starting to lose a vision of the humanity involved, or if we're starting to take something too far just because we can doesn't necessarily mean that we should, and things like that. So so in order to kind of get around some of these uh, uh, this arbitrary conflict between, between science and faith, I think it's important to understand what each is purpose, what the purpose of each is. And so God kind of gives us the Bible, but that has human interpretation, and that kind of gives us theology, um, which kind of is looking to understand the spiritual reality. God also made nature, but you have a human interpretation of nature as well. And the main goal of science then is kind of understand that physical reality, and those two can work together. And there's a couple of good uh, scriptures um, from Job, but now ask the beasts and they will teach you and the birds of the air and they will tell you or speak to the earth and it will teach you that the hand of the Lord has done this. And then another quote that I really like um, from Henry, Henry Drummond, sometimes when uncertain of a voice and its very loudness, we catch the missing syllable in the echo. In God and nature, we have voice and echo. Um, and so... The way I think about this is a little bit of science can make it look like God is unnecessary, but a deeper knowledge of science really shows God's creative genius and love. So I've kind of likened it to it. A lot of people talk about the God of the gaps. You use God to fill in places where you just can't have an explanation. And that's really dangerous because at some point in the past, you know, we assigned God to the weather and things like that. And now that we know, you know, how moisture builds up in clouds and that causes rain, does that mean that God's not involved? And so if you're just kind of giving God these quote unquote miracles because something's unexplainable, then it becomes difficult. And so if you have a little bit of knowledge of science, well, things are explained. We don't need God. But if you really have a deep understanding of science and developmental biology, how all these genes have to be activated in the perfect cascade over the course of nine, ten months for us to be basically existing like we are, you really see the complexity involved, or even evolution, one of the biggest controversies. Um, one of the uh, quotes that I really love, I actually learned from a student myself, is that um, we can admire an artist for the painting, um, but would we really be that much less astounded at that work if we realized that the artist had set up the painting, the laws for the painting, in such a way that it created itself, and then that was just as beautiful. And so, you know, God doesn't, God's power is not any less if it happened through evolution and things like that. So science is not necessarily disproving God. And at the same time, faith should not be threatened by science. 
God gave us the power of insight, imagination, creativity to help others, and that's kind of what science is doing. But we're getting to the point where we have genetics and a lot of information and things that we can do where we quite literally could be making designer babies, if I want to just bring up one example, you know, in a year. But should we? And so there's a lot of things that can be informed here. And I think it's kind of a, just an extension of what you were talking about, too. How do we use technology the right way, but inform its use so that we don't lose other important aspects? And so I guess that kind of is my question, in the, and there are two questions. One, how can science and faith um, kind of get rid of this uh, dichotomy that's arbitrary, this uh, feeling at being at odds so that they can help each other, and then how can those two things really work together to make the world better? Where did that duality come from? You're either this or you're that. Where did that come Science from? Science or, uh, yeah. or, or a person of faith? I think it's uh, come basically arbitrarily from a lot of the churches and then hitting back a lot of the scientists. And so people kind of hear you either believe um, uh, Genesis version of creation or you believe evolution. And if you learn science and you see all the evidence there, you, you've been told you have to be one or the other. And so people yeah. kind of pick that path. And that's, it's too bad if you ask me, but I don't know where it originated. Are you paying attention at all to this huge Noah's Ark exhibit that's in uh, Kentucky? Ken Ham's uh, Don't it's know like much a creation museum kind of thing. So, I've seen our creation museum. And, yeah, uh, what do you make of that? Uh, well, there's a lot of uh, uh, fallacies, at least in the creation yeah. <laughs> uh, museum in Santee, uh, scientifically. Yeah. And, um, and I think it's too bad that a lot of those fallacies are, you know, people of faith kind of think they have to think this one way or their God is non-existent. Yeah. But I don't know much about the Noah's Ark one, sorry. I feel like that duality probably came from what you were, what you call it, like the God of the gaps. Because, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of how I've had it presented to me and why I felt really at odds with, like, a lot of people that present me with Christianity or mostly Christianity <laughs> to be honest mm -hmm. um, where it's like it has to be literally the world was created in the way that it says in the Bible and to me that sounds kind of absurd <laughs> mm -hmm. but if it's taken more metaphorically then it doesn't have to be a duality I guess um, as far as how the two can be reconciled I don't really have too much to contribute, I guess, but um, that's my thought on where that duality came from. I guess a lot of it, um, and I, I kind of see this with a lot of my uh, colleagues in science and things like that, and um, is almost kind of the, the preaching aspect of religion, and, that, and that's why um, I think it's important to think of all of this kind of as morality and how can that teach there. But um, with the preaching aspect, what I have come to learn is that it's actually a kind of minority who really think that duality. They just happen to be, as is often the case, the really vocal ones and they're the ones kind of preaching at you. And so then everyone else thinks, okay, I must be in the minority because I don't necessarily think it has to be one or the other. Um, but if it does have to be one or the other, that I'm choosing. And I think, I guess um, 
the main point behind all of this, and, and you guys can kind of fill in as much as you want, but if we kind of get rid of that preaching aspect of Christianity, Christianity and the other religions too have a lot to really uh, provide in terms of morality and guidance on how this technology is used and how it can benefit the world. But if you're so focused on kind of disproving evolution or you know trying to do all these other things, you've lost that really av that avenue where you really could have been hugely beneficial because you're kind of creating controversy elsewhere maybe. It does seem like the focus is on winning an argument. Yes. As opposed to really understanding how the world works or yeah. how we got here or anything like that, doesn't it? Yeah. And I think that's all too often the case. It becomes a two-sided argument that rather than a thought lounge type discussion. <laughs> One of my cousins I think is a really great example of a guy who's able to um, use science and religion together to further his understanding of the world. And I think that it kind of goes across across the board. Like, if you're able to really dig deep into both of these things and understand that they don't go, they don't come separately, um, or at least look for the connection, like, really hard, then it, it becomes obvious. Mm -hmm. uh, it, and it's, it also provides, one way I can see um, religion being useful in our world I mean there's it, like I said I think it's it's also in every it's in everything mm -hmm. but um, is a sense of sureness at, in what you're doing you don't like just examining foundations your whole life which is what a lot of times pure rationalists mm -hmm. might do I'm not saying atheists or anyone else is a rationalist but um, you end up floundering around in basic assumptions that don't matter as much and you can kind of like go with different things and it's similar when you I think when you look at Bible or text or scripts when you get down to their little nitty gritty like building blocks about whether or not it was Adam and Eve or Adam and Steve <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or if there even was a, a historical Adam and right. Eve, you know or if they're exactly. just representative of, of how humans evolve mm -hmm. but but way to work in the gay argument <laughs> I know I, was, I actually don't know why that even came out probably because there's pride last week uh, and so I hope it's not because there's a couple of point woman Nazarene professors here that has nothing to do with no, it right? no. okay that's I don't know why that came out but anyways that's not even what I was talking about <laughs> I was trying to get at basically floundering around in these basic building block assumptions don't actually help us that much I don't think yeah, I, I, was, uh, I was working on a book project uh, just a few years ago on this very topic and went to a conference at Oxford and I went into the, uh, you know, I'm getting through Heathrow Airport in London and um, go up to the passport control and the dude behind the, uh, the glass says, you know, why are you coming to England? And I said, I'm going to a conference and he says, what's the conference called? And I said, it's called God and Physics. And he goes, God and physics, which side are you on? <laughs> and I just thought, even a pass, even a guy checking my passport has fallen for this, mm -hmm. you know, that it's either this or it's that. And I, I just thought, oh my gosh, you know, why, why does it have to be this or that? Why can't it be, I mean, the name of the conference is God and physics, not God or mm -hmm. physics. <laughs> you know, it, it was just a classic example of that, it's, it's, it's just false, that false dichotomy. It's funny that you should mention that, because I was thinking this whole time about the, S Stephen Hawking's book, The oh, yeah. Brief History of Time, and how like throughout the whole book he's analyzing 
like where does God fit in this? Like he's mm-hmm. taking you through the whole theoretical evolution of like to where we were back in whatever it was, 83 or something of the big bang and creation mm-hmm. of the universe. And throughout the whole book, he's like, okay, like where's God? Where, where's the room for God? <laughs> mm-hmm. And at the end, he's kind of like, I mean, he leaves it open, but it's uh, a very like kind of questioning open. Like he's not really sure. Um, and I don't know, that kind of makes me wonder, like, do you guys think that it's necessary to have, to be considering faith when you're studying science, or is it just, like, helpful for some people, is it on an individual basis, or is it just something that everybody who's studying science should be thinking about in one way or another, maybe not Christianity, but, um, I don't know if you're an existentialist, if you're thinking about (laughs) the universe. (laughs) I've uh, struggled with that a lot because, you know, I grew up in a Christian family and I'm a believer. um, But, you know, I'm very much into science and all the evidence there. And so I struggled with it quite a bit. Um, I don't think you necessarily need to be considering a religion, per se, as you study science, because I don't think that's, you know, there's plenty of great scientists out there who are non-believers. So... To say that you have to be a believer to do good science, I think, would be a, a fallacy there. But I think, I think, to me at least, you're missing a, an important aspect of life and, and something that science can't answer, which is kind of a meaning, a purpose, and then kind of that guide for morality and, and what to do with the science. And, and I guess that's kind of where I think it would be nice if the two got together a little bit more, even if people are non-believers and they're scientists and a lot of people who are believers but don't really fully understand science, if they quit being at odds at each other, if it quits being one or the other, I think um, the believers will realize that science isn't disproving God. In fact, it's actually really revealing a lot about God and and can do great things. And then scientists can quit being quite so... um, defensive and so forth and realize that the Bible is not meant to be a scientific text so of course it's kind of ridiculous in terms of how we're made and things like that but that's not what its purpose was so religion isn't just a bunch of people who are naive or anything else and they have something to offer as well and if the two sides start listening to each other I think uh, I think there's a lot that can come out of that so you don't have to have both but you have to be willing to converse with both I think I've I've heard Richard Dawkins characterize believers. I'm a believer too. I've heard, but I, and I've heard him characterize us. And I just think I don't I don't think that. Yeah. I don't I don't believe that. I'm not. I have never thought the things that he accuses. Yeah. Me and the tribe that I belong to. <laughs> you know, I've never thought that. And yet, you know, that it's just a caricature of believers. Just like sometimes yeah. Christians uh, have this caricature of scientists. Both sides have kind of become pigeonholed, and it's kind of been tough for me being on both sides of that, and, you know, where does my pigeonhole fit? Well, it doesn't fit either way, so that was kind of why I thought of the Mike explained that this topic is one that often comes up between him and his students. He likes to discuss with them that these subjects don't necessarily have to be in conflict with each other, but rather they can indeed work well together. And if they do, they can inform life and help the world in many ways. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Thought Lounge podcast. Till next time, good thinking always.